Hello, my name is Dr. Fisher, and I'm the subject matter expert for corporate responsibility. And I'm going to talk to you in this first video a little bit about what you're going to expect in this class. And we're going to lay a foundation kind of biblically and philosophically for what you're going to be uh, learning in this course. Uh, for starters, let me talk about those discussion board assignments because there are a good number of them in this class. And I just want to remind you, what should your mindset be when you go into those uh, assignments? Remember that critical thinking and logical reasoning are really important at the graduate level, and these discussion boards should reflect that. So for starters, that's why um, we do require the use of scholarly sources, and you need to uh, pay attention to that handout that, that's in the course that will tell you how to find a scholarly source, what it is. It's not your typical uh, business magazine or newspaper. It's not a website. Usually it's, it's an academic text written for professor types uh, they're doing research, they're testing hypotheses, and those are the types of articles you need to integrate into your discussion boards. And also remember that a logical argument consists of four criteria. And the first is that everything you say is acceptable. In other words, it makes sense, it's reasonable. The third, second is that it's relevant. In other words, it fits into the context of the assignment and, what, and the topic that you're talking about. The third is that it's sufficient, meaning that you actually have enough evidence to make your case and to support your case. And the fourth, and I think this is the one that people miss the most, it's called the rebuttal criterion. And it means that you have to be able to overcome the strongest argument of your opponent. That means that when you're making the case for one side of an issue, you can't just give the evidence for that side. You also need to make the case that, that what you're saying is, is, is sufficient to overcome the argument of the other side. That means you need to acknowledge what the other side is saying and, and give it its due justice so that you can show that your side is the stronger position. And all of that is in the context of a very, uh, you know, relatively short writing assignment for each week. And we do that because we want you to feel the pressure of learning to communicate succinctly. That'll serve you in the business world. That'll serve you in just in anything you do because it's basically like lifting weights for your brain. You have to learn how to say, well, what really do I need to say and, and what's all the fluff that I don't need to say? And please know that that is a part of our ministry to you is to make you better writers and communicators and thinkers, because we love you, we have those requirements. Now, for those re response posts in the discussion board assignment, I can't say this enough. Um, a lot of times it's easy in a response post just to restate what your classmate has said. A uh, good post, I agree, and then you begin to spend most of your post restating what they have said. Well, that's not what a response post is about. A response post requires you to build upon the ideas of your classmate with additional research and analysis. That's a huge difference. That means that you briefly reference a point from your classmates and then you build upon it with additional research. And that means you do research that is in addition to the research you did in your, response, your original post. It means you're, you're taking an idea that they've, sh they've shared and you're researching that idea, again, with scholarly sources and so forth to build upon it and to, uh, to advance the conversation. So there shouldn't be a lot of basic information in your response post. In other words, there shouldn't be information that your classmate would have already talked about, like defining terms and so forth, you know, basic history and context. That's probably already covered in the original post. It's your job to focus on, you know, fine-tuning the argument, maybe providing a point of critique and so forth. Okay, so that's the discussion board post. I wanted you to think about that, to be aware of that, because that's such a major theme of these assignments in the class. Now let's talk about that worldview assignment, and the specifics are there for you to read in the course, but I want to talk to you about what a worldview is, and it is the intellectual, spiritual, emotional framework by which we make sense of life 
and interpret meaning. So here's the point. You may not be the most philosophical person, and that's cool. You don't need to think in terms of all the epistemology, axiology, ontology, all those philosophical terms you're going to learn about in this assignment. But you do need to realize that you have assumptions about life that cause you to interpret reality and to say, well, this is true and this is, this is not true and this is good and this is evil. And sometimes even Christians who claim to believe in the Word of God would have assumptions about life that are not even biblical because they've never taken the time to think logically about, well, what is my worldview and what do I really believe? This assignment is meant to challenge you to look at those foundational truths. And in the article that you have to read for this, um, I talk about uh, you know, a worldview house. And when you think of your house, you think of the furniture, you think of the rooms in your house, and so forth. But you don't often think about um, the foundation and framework of your house because you don't see those, those, those structures. They're basically underneath the house and they're in the walls and so forth. And yet those two components are the most important components because if, they're, if they are unsound, your house is going to collapse. So it's vitally important that uh, you understand that your worldview home, those assumptions are often unspoken. They're not critically analyzed because we just don't pay attention to them. And so it's, it's upon you to evaluate them. Now, if you're not a Christian, uh, that's fine too because these philosophical terms and things that we're talking about in this course are, are, uh, are things that are logically defined in kind of the field of philosophy. And so you should feel comfortable. You should feel comfortable analyzing and comparing what Christianity claims to be and analyzing it logically and asking yourself, is this really logically what makes the most sense? I think it, I think it is, but it'll be upon you to do that logically, not emotionally, but just to what is this really all about? Now, my third point is about covenant. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because you'll hear it from time to time in this course. And I think it's a good unifying theme for a lot of the ideas we'll be talking about. And I like to give unifying themes in courses because there's a lot of information that you're going to be learning in this class and we only have eight weeks to, to learn it. And sometimes it's helpful to have, you know, where can I put all these details that I'm getting in the class? So I definitely feel your pain as a student. I know you're crazy busy and I want to make it as simple as possible. So this biblical idea of covenant, which is a major idea of scripture, it's the notion of an agreement, a morally informed agreement where people come together and not only do they promise to perform certain duties, which is what a contract is, but they go deeper than that, and they, they pledge to create a relationship and to care for one another. And the reason that's so important to a discussion of ethics is because in a covenant, there is accountability, there's mutual accountability, and there's mutual care. It's the Hebrew term hesed, H, spelled H-E-S-E-D, and it means loving fulfillment of covenant obligation. And it means that, you know what, we may not always like each other or get along, but I'm going to lay my life down to serve that person with whom I'm in covenant. And that means that ethics is not just about trying to find the gray areas and, well, I can do the bare minimum to get by to meet the rules and regulations. I'm going to go beyond that, and I'm going to go the extra mile, as Christ talked about in Scripture, and I'm going to really serve my customer. I'm going to serve my community. I'm going to serve my boss my co-worker, my subordinate. And it's that covenantal emphasis from Scripture which I think is the, the key foundation for this course and the ideas we'll be discussing. So I hope you enjoy this class. Uh, you know, we pray for you. We really want you to learn and to enjoy what you're learning. We're here to serve you. And uh, I wish you the best. God bless. Thank you.